The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Good evening. Welcome to a show that we had hoped would not have to happen. And yet, here we are, Thursday night on WTMJ Nights. Big show. Uh, we're going to give you a chance to do a little venting, and you can do that always on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line, one eight five five six one six one six twenty. Old National Bank, get old. Yes, we, uh, like most of you, were hoping that um, there would be a game tonight and that the Brewers would bump us from the schedule, and yet uh, here we are because we all know what happened last night. Um, that leads us to the text question of the night. 855-616-1620. Because if you're calling in, you'll be talking to Matt. Be nice to him. He's he's had a rough couple of days. Um, text question of the night. What do you think is the biggest issue the Brewers need to address this offseason? What is the biggest issue the Brewers need to address this offseason? Yes, we're going doing a little uh, we're gonna start with sports tonight on WTMJ Nights because it's on everybody's mind. We're gonna be talking with Brandon Snide after seven o'clock for Tundra Talk. A uh, couple of Packers games have gone by. We've got uh, till Monday night for the next one, so we'll talk that. And I'm sure Brandon will have some thoughts on the Brewers as well. Now, Matt, you were out at the um, at American and Hanfield. Uh, you were helping out with Wisconsin's afternoon news. You were in the park. You were doing some interviews. You were doing all kinds of things. Uh, this this is a shock, but it it really isn't because. The Brewers, despite their fantastic regular season records over the last number of years, um, they just can't seem to get over the hump. They get into the playoffs, into the postseason, and then it's see you later. We're we're done. So you know, a five to two loss yesterday to the Diamondbacks. As uh, we know, Diamondbacks sweep them out of the wild card round. What was uh, what was the mood like at the park uh, prior to the game yesterday, Matt? As you were down there doing all your all your fancy schmancy sports stuff, you had three different moods uh, over the three days. Uh, Monday during the workouts, when they were taking BP, it was pretty standard. That was the mantra around there. It's it's just what we've been doing for the past 162 games. Obviously, you had added pressure with the postseason. You had the field painted. With the postseason logo, the banners, there was all that jazz. But from talking with Sal Freelich and Blake Perkins, the best advice they got from guys like Willie Adamas, William Contreras, Josh Donaldson, three guys who went deep into the postseason earlier, was that you just got to keep doing what you've been doing for the regular season because it worked for them, except uh, obviously it didn't work for them during the postseason, and I think one of the big reasons why is because, A, Arizona is a fantastic ball club. I think if we were to, quote, reseed this, I think Arizona is a better team than the sixth seed in the playoffs. Obviously, it's based on record. We're not talking March Madness here right. and uh, saying that a team is overseeded versus underseeded, but... Who knows? They could give Los Angeles a run for their money in the division series. And they played their best baseball over the past two days. And that's what you have to do. You just, it's yeah, all about who well, plays their best baseball when. That's the weird thing. Because if you look, and I'm, I uh, got this out of a, a story today in the Journal Sentinel, since 2019, 
the Brewers have won the six most games in baseball since then, and yet in all that time, they've only won one playoff game. So there's, and fans are starting. You know, fans they were booing. They were booing on uh, Tuesday night, and people were like, "Oh, why are they booing?" Well, the expectation here has gotten to the point where you know this team is very, very consistent during the regular season. So people expect that kind of baseball, and I, I really don't know. I mean, you you talking about the mood and just do what you do during the regular season. Well, how does that drop off happen? Not just this year, but over a number of years, where a team can do so well and then just, for lack of uh, different terms, just collapse in the playoffs. I think you look at this year, and. Uh you look at the two different entry points for the Brewers versus the Diamondbacks. The Brewers clinched last Tuesday, so about 10 days ago. So they had a half a week to set everything up and be sure that everybody was in prime condition to compete in the wildcard series. Arizona clinched a postseason spot on Saturday. They had one day of a game that was of no consequence. Not to mention they were playing the Houston Astros, who did have to play in order to improve their seed in the American League. Right. So the Diamondbacks were coming in hot. They were playing meaningful baseball games. In my opinion, I think that the Brewers, while I agree with the philosophy they took, you have to take a step back. They made the right decision, obviously pre-injury, in sitting Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta. That was the right decision and being sure that guys got their adequate rest prior to the wildcard series. However, I think they took their foot off the gas a little too much. Right. And some yeah, of that rush showed. It, you know what? That makes sense. I mean, even though they did play up till, what was the last game? Sunday was the last home game, and they were or the last game of the season, rather, and they were playing against a team in the Cubs that were trying to secure their spot. So you would think that they... While it wasn't meaningful as far as the Brewers getting in, you would think that rivalry, that that incentive to keep the Cubs out or to at least finish strong, would have carried over into the playoffs. You'd but, think you'd think it would, but at the same time, when you get into those situations, the teams that clinch early, like it'll be interesting to see what the Atlanta Braves do in the division series after their long layoff. But sometimes. Like I said, you take your foot off the gas a little too much, and all of a sudden, you're not ready to go. Man, it just—it's—it's it's very disappointing. Now, um, let's let's get a couple of these texts in, and then we'll take a break. And I want to talk to fans, and I—I I wonder, is it fair for fans to have built up these expectations with the success that the Brewers have shown over the last six years? You know, all the victories, the regular season, the great records. Is it fair for fans to get this disappointed? Uh, but here's some, when uh, the text question of the night, and you can continue to ask, answer this, what do you think is the biggest issue the Brewers need to address this offseason? Um, from Dustin, they should probably sign someone who can hit the ball. Um, from 414, leaving runners on base when in scoring position. Doug says, uh, can't get over the hump. I want to see a new manager. He can't win in the playoffs. He's outmanaged in the playoffs. Um, from Jeff from Elkhorn. Biggest issues. Keep counsel. 
Uh, find a consistent player at third and first. Trade Bernays and or Woodruff because we're not going to resign them. Decide if uh, Chorio can play next year. From the 262, the issue with the Brewers is a shocking lack of offense. When your highest paid player is a leadoff hitter who can barely manage 270 and the rest of your lineup bats around 220, you have a problem. Home runs, sure. Uh, otherwise, strikeouts and stranded runners. What are your thoughts on some of those uh, some of those texts, Matt? I agree and disagree. I'm going to address them one text at a time, starting with batting average, and I'll emphasize what our uh, resident stat nerd, Dom Catronio, says. This day and All age, right. batting average, it matters, but it doesn't matter because there's so much more that has been uncovered, such as OPS, that you can use to determine a true value of a player. So I wouldn't say that right. that's a big factor. Yes, they do need a consistent bat, but I do think that Christian Yelich provided that for them, along with William Contreras, who I wouldn't be surprised if both of them received bottom ballot votes for the MVP once that's all said and done from the writers. I want to talk about Craig Council a little bit. It's going to be either one of three possibilities. Possibility number one is that... The Brewers bring him back. From what I've heard, the Brewers want him back. They made that yeah, clear to him. Yeah, that's all the reports say that the Brewers have made it very clear to him that they, they don't want him to go. There's that, and then possibilities two and three are more and more likely. Possibility number two is that he's not in any dugout next year. and right. my philosophy, he said he wants yep. to spend more time with his family. Exactly, and my philosophy with that all ties into David Stearns. David Stearns, who was just hired away from the Brewers to go to the New York Mets, he's going home to be their president of baseball operations. You couple that with today's resignation of Billy Epler, the New York Mets' former general manager, so he'll have full control out in New York. However, the Mets right now are not in a position to succeed. Here's where Craig Council's family is at right now. His oldest son is a junior. His middle son is a freshman, and then he's got... A daughter, I believe, in high school. Okay. I think he waits until his youngest graduates high school. And at that point, older kids will be done or near the end of their college baseball careers about time, as I'd assume, to enter the professional ranks. At the same time, David Stearns, assuming he is as successful in New York as he was in Milwaukee, We'll have the New York Mets in a competitive window. He's going to pick up the phone and call, call Craig Council, and he will be not the next manager of the New York Mets. He will not immediately succeed Buck Showalter, but there's going to be a middleman, and then Craig Council will go to New York. The third choice is he goes to New York right away. Wow. That's interesting. All right. We're going to, uh, we got to take a quick break, and then somebody texted it, and I know. I know after the you were working after the game last night. I'm sure you talked about this a lot, but it's coming through on a number of texts. We got to talk about Jesse Winker. What was what was the justification? What was the the thinking there? Um, so let's uh, let's do this, and then we'll do a little more. The text question of the night: What's the biggest issue that the Brewers need to address this off season? It is WTMJ nights. Brian Newton, WTMJ Knights. Yeah, we're just doing a little postmortem on the Brewers season. Uh, why, why things go so so well during the regular season, and the fans have come to expect it because over the last six years, the Brewers are putting up great numbers in the regular season, 
and then they just can't get it done in the playoffs. And uh, Matt Matt was there. He was he was helping out on Wisconsin's afternoon news. He was there after the game last night. Uh, I can only imagine the mood last night of the uh, of the callers and texters. That had to be. That had to be something because we're seeing it. We're seeing it now, Matt, and we're 24 hours removed from uh, removed from the game. But I mentioned this right before. We're getting a number of texts, and it it's been going on since Tuesday night. Um, the Jesse Winker thing. What's have has it been addressed by counsel or the uh, the rest of the Brewers? What was what was going on there? Because a lot of Brewers fans are looking at that as the pivotal moment of the series which may or may not be valid but you know how you know how we are as fans we look at one mistake that's why Steve Bartman is still you know <laughs> by uh, some some people still reviled I wouldn't necessarily call Winker the turning point in the series I think the turning point was the Diamondback two-run ninth inning off of Devin Williams that broke the game open a couple days ago and then obviously the sixth inning yesterday. Sixth inning yesterday, definitely. But here's my thought on Jesse Winker. First off, I was confused why he made the postseason roster, especially with the likes of Garrett Mitchell and Rowdy Telez left off. In addition to with the injury of Brandon Woodruff, they could have gone with another arm. Second, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. He struck out in a non-competitive at-bat in game number one. And then they proceed to do this similar thing in game number two by pinch hitting him. And pinch hitting him, I understand he was okay at drawing walks. He hit below 200. His last big league at bat in the regular season was on July 24th. July 24th. Yeah. That is over six weeks. I mean, more than that. Before the postseason. You cannot get that long of an absence back from hitting three rounds in the turtle cage. It no, just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And Garrett Mitchell, there could be something we don't know. I expect there is going to be something that we don't know on why Garrett Mitchell was left off the postseason roster that's going to come out sooner. It might come out in three or four months. But he came back and he held his own, all things considered. I think he deserved a spot on the postseason roster. I also think, A, you could have left Bryce Terang in. B, you could have pinch hit Andrew Monasterio in that situation. However, Monasterio in his one plate appearance in the playoffs, he struggled as he did during the majority of the second half of the season. But again, considering also Winker's a two for one. If he gets on base, you're lifting him for a pinch runner anyways. Joey Weimer looked great in the batting cage on Monday. There's plenty of head-scratching uh, reasons yeah. for this. I'm not going to beat a dead horse because we've done it for the past uh, yeah, I know. 48 I just... hours. But <laughs> it, it makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to a lot of people. And at this point, I'm looking for answers, and hopefully they come. And that's all I can ask for and hope for right now because it, it just doesn't make sense. It makes not a lot of sense they did it in Game 1. It makes negative sense that they did it again <laughs> in a similar situation in game number two. Well, Barb from Racine is uh, agreeing with you 100% on your take there. Uh, some other people uh, from the 262, the biggest issue for the Brewers is finding a new manager. Uh, another 262 number, we need more clutch hitting. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot to be said. But 
uh, all right. We, uh, you know, the season is over. We are uh, hoping big things happen for next year. But we had another sports story since we're talking sports. Um, well, no, you know what? We'll, we'll talk about this when Brandon is on because uh, Tundra Talk is coming up. It's, uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely disappointing. Definitely a disappointing way to end it. How cool was it for you to be? And I know, listen, I know you're a veteran sports broadcaster, but uh, was it, was there a different vibe being in uh, on the field and stuff, covering things for postseason play than there is if you're just doing it during the regular season? Yeah, and this is my first time at AmFam uh, this season, so to get to do it in the postseason was uh, definitely a different vibe. I've covered a couple of regular season games elsewhere, and a regular season game, it's you know, the thing with baseball is if something goes wrong, you got another day tomorrow, and right. it's. You know, it's day day in, day in. This was different. You could tell there was a different aura in the building, especially, uh, I could even say, compared to the overall atmosphere in the city from prior runs, 2021, 2020, even 2019 when they were eliminated in the wildcard game. This was different, and that's why expectations were so high, but it was awesome getting to pick the brain of some of the guys was great. It was unfortunate with the way everything went down with Woodruff, but sometimes that's just the way it is. Yeah, things happen. Uh, all right, we got to take a quick break, and then it'll be news time. It's WTMJ Nights. Now, more of WTMJ Nights. Brian Nooner, WTMJ Nights. Yes, we didn't expect to be here either, but we're glad we're here if, uh, you know, if it's not the Brewers, well, we're glad we're glad to be back. All right, how does this happen? How does somebody show up shirtless at the Capitol with a dog and a handgun, like some low rent John Wick, get arrested, get bailed out, and then show up back at the Capitol the same evening with a rifle? It sounds like the plot out of a bad movie, but you know what happened yesterday in Madison. Now. Um, they, other legislators, nobody else was informed about this till this morning. But the fact that, the fact that you can be carrying a gun in the state capitol, which is against the law. This is not a gun control thing. This is, there's a law. You can't carry a gun in the state capitol. That you can get arrested for that and be out the same night and go, all right, well, if the, if the uh, handgun didn't work, my long gun will work better. Because I want to see the governor. If you haven't heard the story, a 43-year-old Madison man uh, who goes by Taco really wanted to see the governor uh, yesterday afternoon. Then he came back. He, uh, the governor told uh, reporters today that he was unharmed and had confidence in the state Capitol Police. He said, I'm okay. To their credit, the Capitol Police took control of the situation, so it's over. But yeah, it's always something that is things you don't want to see happen. But that's why we have good people in the police departments, in the Capitol Police, and the State Patrol. They're doing great work. And that was the quote from the governor. Uh, yes, and thank goodness that the Capitol Police were there and the State Patrol. Everybody, everybody took care of business. But this guy, Joshua Plesnick, he came, as I said, he arrived at the Capitol shirtless. He had his dog with him, and he was wearing a holstered handgun. Comes in. Um, he said he would continue to come to the Capitol until he spoke to the governor about domestic abuse towards men. 
Um, he then he stated he did not own a vehicle, and it's likely he has access to a large amount of weapons and is comfortable using them. This was um, this was the inter- from the interview that the police did uh, with him when he, when he was there. Then the report went on to say, use extreme caution when in contact with Plesnik. He should be considered armed. That's what the Capitol Police officials told lawmakers. So he was arrested approaching the security desk outside the governor's office. Because, as I mentioned, it is, uh, it is a violation of state law to openly carry a firearm inside the Capitol building. So he goes, they take him, they book him, he's bailed out, or he gets out on bail. He comes back with an assault-style rifle at 9 o'clock. He posted bail at the Dane County Jail. He wanted to see the governor. He was demanding to see the governor. Now, come on, at 9 o'clock, you know the governor's at home. He's not, uh, he's not in his office. Now, you know, I, make, I me- make a few jokes about this, but one, it's incredibly serious, and two, this is a guy that has mental issues, clearly. But all the jokes aside, how does this happen? You've, you've got a guy who went into the Capitol. The Capitol Police are saying, hey, listen, uh, he's already said he's comfortable using a lot of different weapons. He has access to a lot of different weapons. Uh, we've told everybody to just assume he's armed. And yet he can still get bailed out. Now, I'm not a lawyer, so... I understand that sometimes the law and common sense are diametrically opposed. But this just seems crazy to me. You know, it, it, this is why people get this is why people get all twisted around and get so vocal and so angry when it comes to the criminal justice system and people being let out. And we remember the horrible uh the parade massacre that guy was out on bail. There's there's all these guys who get out on bail even though we know that their their potential for harm is very high. There's no doubt that this guy would have done something. You don't listen, if you're just upset and you want to talk to the governor about something, you don't need to go armed to the Capitol. That takes it up to a notch where you're where most rational people, and I think you and I could, uh, most of us can cop to that, that we're, we're rational people for the most part. But rational people are going to go, this guy, this guy was not just going to talk. There was going to be something more and something tragic and horrific that was going to happen. And yet, even though he's carrying an open fire, uh, uh, you know, openly carrying a gun in the Capitol, he's out on bail. It just, it's amazing to me, and thank goodness that the uh, the Capitol Police took care of business and uh, stops anything before it could have happened. But what, uh, you know, come on, what else, what else are you carrying a gun in there for? You can grab your gun, but you can't grab a shirt? Right there, it shows you this guy's Have you ever gone to, Matt, have you ever gone into a, to talk to somebody of import without wearing a shirt? No. Like if you gotta if you gotta meet with the boss here at the station, uh, I got to talk to Did we talk about this him. last week about dress codes? Yes, this was when we were talking about the Senate dress codes. I think, but that was that was for you know legislators. This is just for 
a citizen. I don't think... All right, I was about to say I don't think citizens need a dress code, but I can't go into McDonald's without a shirt on, so I shouldn't be able to wander into the Capitol without a shirt on. No shirt, no shoes, no guns. Stay out of the Capitol. You should make a T-shirt yeah. with that. All right, yeah, that's <laughs> we'll put it in. We'll put it in the marketing budget for WTMJ Nights. <laughs> Fly it by promotion. See how it works. Uh, but it, the whole thing is just it just plus you're bringing your dog. What's a dog going to do? Unless a dog is, you know, like that dog in uh, in that Will Smith movie where he was the last man on Earth, and the dog would just kill zombies. I don't know what was up with the, uh, I don't know what was up with the dog, but um, thankfully nothing more happened. Uh, hopefully now this guy is not bailed out again because two gun violations in one day should be enough to keep you in the pokey for a little while. Because if I would imagine, and I hope I'm wrong. And I'm not trying to be hyperbolic or stir things up or get people crazy. But if if somebody's nuts enough to go back twice in one day with different firearms to the Capitol and he keeps getting out, what do you think the chances are that he's going to continue this behavior until it escalates to something else? And that's the problem when somebody who really needs to not get bail and needs to stay in jail for some sort of, you know, maybe committed for some observation, figure out what's going on. Uh, when he gets out and just keeps going back, uh, that is a problem. All right, another problem that we must tackle is pets. Now, pets are not the problem, but what if you have a pet and you break up? We'll talk about pet divorce and so much more on the other side. It's WTMJ Nights. Nights. We all love our pets, don't we? Uh, sometimes we love our pets more than our partner. And uh, then breakups happen, and ooh, who gets the pet? That is uh, that's the thing. If you've ever been in a relationship, I want to talk to you at 855-616-1620, where you broke up and you had to pretty much battle for the custody of your pet. I want to know how it turned out. Because, like, I didn't get a dog. My wife and I didn't get a dog, our first dog, till we were married. And, you know, after, I would imagine, and thankfully I haven't gotten divorced, but uh, after after our daughter, the dogs would have been the next big thing to figure out who got custody. Um, now, of course, if the dogs were acting up, we would always say, oh, well, if we ever get divorced, you're taking the dogs. And then the other ones are, oh, no, not today. But then other days would be like, oh, I'm, I'm keeping these dogs. I, I bring this up because I saw an interesting story today. Now, this came from uh, the U.K., where the laws are a little bit different, but it is something that happens here in the United States all the time, too. We see stories about it. Um, dog divorce. So if you're a couple, you're, you know, whether you buy the dog together when you're dating or you get the dog when they're married, now your relationship has ended, and all of a sudden, you know, you're going to divvy some things up, and it's time to figure out who gets the dog. Does the dog have visitation rights? Do you have visitation rights with the dog? Um, there are all kinds of all kinds of things happening now in the in the UK. The law treats animals as chattel. It means uh, the cat or or dog is just like a washing machine or a car. So the courts don't care. You know, it's not like a kid. They're not gonna they're not going to get involved in the 
custody of the dog. But I've known, I've had friends of mine who, you know, they broke up and it was tough because even though, even though you hope that people will be adult about their pets, they're not. People, you know, just like, just like some people in a divorce use the kids as a pawn, people use their pets as a pawn. And so all of a sudden, uh, you, you know, the relationship's over, and oh no, I'll let you see the dog, and then suddenly, oh no, the dogs are busy. Dogs can't come out. You don't. Uh, you're, you're not. Uh, you're not going to get to see the dogs. It's. I don't know what I would do. I got to be honest. Now we're, unfortunately, we're we're. This sounds. We're down to one dog. We only have one dog. Um, oh, the dog passed away a few weeks ago, and uh, but still, as much as he's a goof, I don't know. Uh, that would be horrible, you know. The divorce would be bad enough, you know. That'd be eh, whatever. But uh, but it, I I don't know. I think my I, I'll be honest. I honestly believe my wife would do whatever she could uh, to keep the dog, just to spite me, because <clears throat> because <laughs> I'm sure whatever I did to cause a divorce will have her so angry that she would want to do it. But here's the thing. Uh, dog experts say this is probably not the best uh, the best course of action because because um, the dog is not you know if you're if let's say let's say uh, you get your divorce or you break up and uh, you're staying in one spot and your ex partner now is in another spot and they're gonna oh they're gonna take the dog on uh, weekends and holidays and blah 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 well the experts say that the dogs they don't really they don't like that they don't like to share the cut dogs want to be in their spot so you really have to be careful of taking time to let the dogs get used to being in a uh, in a different home have you gone through a dog or cat maybe a ferret uh, a macaw divorce 855-616-1620 the old national bank talk text line dan is in sebring hey dan hey how are you I'm good. So did you go through this? I did. What happened? Do tell. And, oh, man. Um, she was just, the cat just glommed on to me, and she said, you know what, Dan? He likes you better. Just take him. Just well, oh, take so you, you didn't have to fight it out or anything. She just, uh, she just, Gave you the cat. Very amicable. Yeah, I mean, that thing was just gaga over me. Well, see, at that, at that point, you got to, you know, as the other adult, you have to look at that and go, well, the cat obviously likes him better. So who needs, I don't want to bring a cat that doesn't like me. So <laughs> it would, it makes sense. Well, I'm glad you got custody. How did the cat do, uh, how just, when it was just you and the cat? It was awesome. I mean, and he lived to be <laughs> eighty-seven in cat years, which is is that the same as dog old. years? No, nineteen no, years old scale. Yeah, nineteen. Nineteen-year-old mm -hmm. cat. Holy cow! Yeah. Holy and cow. Well, Dan, thank you for the call. Playful until the end, huh? Wow, that's amazing. Well, thanks for sharing the story, Dan. Appreciate it. Good to hear from you. Uh, Peter says, in every couple I know where this happened, the lady kept the dog presumably for continued companionship and protection. All right. 
And from the 920, when I got divorced, I got the truck, but not the dogs. Oh, yeah. See, I it would it would I think it would suck to not uh, to not get to keep your dogs. Or I, I and I keep saying dogs because I'm a dog guy and I've always had dogs. Uh, I would imagine, like with Dan, if you were a cat person, you know, and you you want to keep your cat too, any any of your pet, except an iguana. I'd give an iguana away. I don't think iguanas really have that kind of. Uh, you know, affection for their people. Maybe I'm wrong. If you have an iguana, you know, correct me. Don't at me. Just uh, call and go, yeah, iguanas show a lot of love. I doubt it, though. All right, let's take a quick break. And then uh, the reason that uh, none of us may be here on Monday, we will talk about that and more. It's WTMJ. Yep. If things go as planned, we will not be back next week. Matt and I are going to be splitting $1.4 billion after Saturday night. It's Powerball. I haven't been talking about the Powerball lately. I've just been watching it grow, but I've been silently uh, spending my $10 every for the last four or five drawings. But I'm going to take this as a harbinger of good things, Matt. My ticket last Saturday won me $4. So I took that $4 and my 10 I played big. Thank you. Thank you, but I'm still here because I'm a man of the people. Uh, but then I played, I played big on Monday with my $4 winnings and my $10. That got me nothing. Uh, I haven't checked my ticket from yesterday or yeah, yesterday yet. I know I didn't win the 1.2 because it rolled over to 1.4, but uh, I am, I'm getting ready. I'm, I'm taking that $4 as a good sign that uh, my winning ways are about to change. This could this could be the one, and that, listen, that might sound silly, but if you get a text from me next week, uh, with new phone, new life, who this? You'll know I'm somewhere in parts unknown, sitting on stacks of cash, fat cash, daddy. And I'm not, <laughs> I would. I know we all like to dream about this money. I would be done with everything immediately. I love this job. I love the people I work with. Uh, I love talking to you. But um, one point four billion, eh, I don't know. I'd probably maybe I'll buy a pirate radio station somewhere in the uh, somewhere in the Caribbean or something, and just go on like Wolfman Jack used to do. I'll just have this radio station, and I'll just go on whenever I want and transmit craziness all over. Uh, or I'll hook up to a satellite, and you know. Maybe I do. Maybe I do a podcast from my uh, my villa somewhere in parts unknown. That might be fun. You know, it'd be like lifestyles of the rich and slothful. But anyway, Saturday's the day. Uh, save your money because I'm getting the winning ticket. Uh, I found out that a grocery store near me was on the news yesterday because they have sold the most winning tickets. So you know where I'm buying my ticket on Saturday at that crazy grocery store. All right, on the other side of the news, oh my gosh, Brandon Snide is back, and it is Tundra Talk on WTMJ. It's time for Tundra Talk on WTMJ Nights. Here's your host, Brian Newton, with Brandon Snide. Yeah, yeah, we are back with Tundra Talk. Uh, last week, of course, the Packers were playing on Thursday night. Brandon was working all sorts of exciting things on the sideline, but he is back. Brandon, welcome. It was a uh, disappointing night last week when uh, the Lions... Well, yeah, 
I would uh, I would say working on the sidelines, Brian was probably more exciting than the uh, than the game itself. Of course, uh, it was pretty much <laughs> it was pretty much over by about I don't know what do you say halftime twenty seven three at halftime I believe it was yeah it was uh, it was but I'll say this though uh, you cannot beat Lambeau Field under the lights in a early fall evening it was it was gorgeous the atmosphere was electric you wish for a different outcome but nonetheless it was still a great night. Yeah, the weather was terrific. Uh, you know, like you said, perfect time of the year to be up there under the lights. Um, we, we won't dwell too much on it. Where, what were your big takeaways from last week's game? Um, it's it's the trenches for me, Brian, and I think it's kind of been the story you and I have have talked about even before um, week one against the Chicago Bears, and, and following that game was that you know what was the offensive line going to look like with David Bakhtiari in there? Obviously now he's not in there and he won't right. be in there for the rest of the year. So what does that look like? And you saw on Thursday night against a very good front seven in the Detroit Lions. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good at all. So, and then, you know, obviously you didn't have Elton Jenkins at the left guard position. Uh, John Runyon, who I believe he finished the game. Um, when you work the game, sometimes you don't always catch who's in, who's out for right. the snap count. But it, it, he got hurt early in that game, John Runyon Jr. He hasn't practiced all week either. So you're, I mean, in, in essence, you're down three of your starting initial five offensive linemen. And for me, that's where it beat, the game was won and lost. The Detroit Lions were able to control the ball up front. They were able to stop uh, the Green Bay Packers from running any kind of the ball. They really had no running game at all. I don't think they only had like 12 attempts. And Jordan Love was on his back way too many times. And on the flip side, David Montgomery just ran right through the Green Bay front seven. For the life of me, Green Bay can still not stop the run. I don't anticipate that is ever going to change throughout the course of this season. But that was the, that was the takeaway, the, the offense and defensive line for the Green Bay Packers, or I should say the lack thereof. Lack thereof. Well, Jenkins, the good news is Jenkins seems healthy. He was back at practice today. So or this week, so that's that's good. Right. Is there any rumblings about the pack making any moves to bolster that offensive line? No, and it's it's you know they have been known to make some moves midseason. Um, I don't anticipate that will be the case. I think they kind of. I think you know when, you, when training camp began and the the word around training camp and around twelve sixty five Lombardi Avenue was that David Bakhtari was the healthiest. He had been in three years. He had confidence in that knee, and he was going to be good to go. I don't think the Packers had that same confidence because for the longest time in training camp, you were wondering, why are we keeping guys, you know, Yosh Nyman, Rasheed Walker? Why? Are, what are we doing with all of these tackles still on this roster? And it, the Green Bay Packers obviously had a plan in place, and they kind of had an insurance policy tucked away in their back pocket because I don't think they knew David Bakhtiari was going to make a full season, and sure enough, he did not. Um, but I don't. I don't think you're going to see a move made by the Green Bay Packers. You mentioned Elton Jenkins was back at practice. That that would be of all the players that are hurt. That would probably be the most important one. And there's a lot of players that are hurt. That you you mentioned a few guys coming back. Eric Stokes. It's been almost a year since he's played. He was right. back at practice this week. Christian Watson's What's the deal? back. Can, uh, for people who don't understand the the pup list and the the time limit, what does this what does this mean for Stokes and the Packers? Because if so, they have him. yeah, they have a yep. He was IR at the beginning of the year, so he missed. He had to miss the first four weeks. Obviously, week four was when the Packers 
played Detroit and they lost. That was week four. So the Packers have then three weeks after that to activate him onto the 53-man roster. So he's obviously got to clear some physical hurdles. Um, he did mention that when he, he hurt his leg last season, but it wasn't the only injury. He hurt his hamstring uh, this year in training camp. So he was battling an ankle injury, then he hurts his hamstring. Um, so that's kind of what kept him on IR for those four weeks and into the beginning at the end of training camp going into the regular season. So he has up until week seven to get clear to play uh, on the 53-man roster. I would anticipate he's had no, you know, Holdbacks at practice. He's been there. You know, he, he talked following practice on Tuesday that he felt great. He was ready to rock. He was happy to be there. So I would anticipate Eric Stokes gets added. Luke Musgrave also cleared concussion protocol as of about three o'clock this afternoon. So tight end number one in Green Bay should be good to go. Uh, Elton Jenkins practice, Zach Tom practice, Christian Watson, Aaron Jones. So they're, look, you know, it was a bad loss that Thursday night against the Detroit Lions. You know, you never want to go into a home game, a, a home primetime game, and get your butt whooped. But that Thursday night game couldn't have probably come at a much better time because this team just needed a little bit of a small reset to kind of get back into the flow of things. And and sure enough, an extra three or four days off does yeah. wonders because now your uh, your injury list is is a little bit a little bit smaller. Brandon Snyder is here. It is Tundra Talk. We do it every Thursday before we turn our sights to uh, the Raiders and Las Vegas. Let's pour one out. A big football story today, a big loss for the NFL. Dick Butkus, the Hall of Fame linebacker. I know he played for the Bears. Relax. Uh, but he kind of he set the standard for what a middle linebacker should be. He passed away today at the age of 80, died uh, peacefully, they said, in his sleep in um, Malibu, California. Just an unbelievable unbelievably intense player. And like I said, and Brandon, I don't know if you agree with this, he kind of was the prototype for what hardcore middle linebackers and linebackers in general became. Yeah, he was, you know, it's, he's a Chicago Bear, but when you watch him, when you watch old game films of him, he's, he's a guy that you want to play like, you know, like you want to run through a wall like he was running through players. Uh, in that uh, in in that, in that era, and he, I think he embodied the the rivalry right of the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago yeah. Bears. And he up until this day, Brian. I mean, he was at the game in September saying how much he hated the Packers. Like, oh, I know he, he never he that. never let it die, never. He never let it go. And you got to you, if you're a Packers fan, look, it's a rivalry. It is a, a game, but you got to respect that. It, that I mean, that that's just that's what the rivalry means. You know, it's a guy that. Um, you know, obviously played against the Green Bay Packers, doesn't like the Green Bay Packers, but still has ties in Green Bay. Luke Buckus, his nephew, actually coaches the offensive line. And if you if you see Luke, you can look at him right away and be like, that is definitely Dick Buckus' uh, nephew right there. He, look, he, he looks just like him. Yeah, it's uh, he did a lot of philanthropic work, did some acting. He was he was uh, he was a guy. And this is this is how much the game has changed. Dick Butkus, when the the Bears used to play at Wrigley Field, used to show up early and shag balls for the kickers to make an extra twenty five bucks. Yeah, work ethic. You don't find that. Yeah, you don't find ethic. that too uh, too often now. <laughs> yeah, are you going to get any superstars now to go? Oh, I'll go shag some balls for twenty five bucks. They're setting twenty five dollars on fire. All right, so R.I.P. Dick Butkus. Uh, let's take a quick break, Brandon, and then we're going to come back and we're going to set our sights on sure. Las Vegas and uh, what's going on with the Raiders and looking forward to a big Packer bounce back on Monday night. It is Tundra Talk on WTMJ Nights.
You're listening to WGMJ Nights. Yeah, Viva Las Vegas. We hope. Packers heading out to play the Raiders on Monday night. It's Tundra Talk on WTMJ Nights. Brandon Snide is with me as he is every week. And uh, all right, both offenses, Brandon, are not uh, not great. Uh, the Raiders, I think, are ranked 26th, and the Packers are ranked 27th. Not good. The Packers, to a casual observer, and maybe you can uh, address this, the Packers have been outscored what something like 44 nothing in their last two games in the first half. What's what's going to be the key to getting a quicker start on offense because it seems like that first half is really slow and is that that to me is one of the things that they really need to focus on going forward with the season. Yeah, that's a great that's a great point Brian and we've kind of saw that in the preseason too which you raised the eyebrow in the August uh, time frame, but, you know, you also said, well, it's preseason. They started off really, really slow, and then it seemed like after a little while, drive two or three, it started to pick up. But that, unfortunately, hasn't been the case this season because the first half has just been awful. And really, you could go to the first three quarters in that Saints game where they, they didn't score a single point. Um, obviously, they came back to win. But I think the big thing for me is when you're watching this team and, and really any successful offense, you have to have compl- you have to play complementary football, and they have not been able to establish the run. And there's a, there's a few different factors with that. Obviously, not having Aaron Jones is factor number one. In my opinion, he's a top five, top ten running back in the National Football League. If he's not in, he's not healthy. That's going to take away from your ability to run the football. AJ Dillon is not a feature back. He might not be a number two back. You know, to be to be quite honest right. with you. So, uh, not having him in, you know. In a role and an everyday down, every down for AJ Dillon is skin. It's a recipe for a disaster, and you're seeing it play out. Um, play action. Nobody's biting on play action because nobody's respecting the run. So, and Matt Lafleur's offense is a lot of play action under center, and teams are just not playing the run. They're playing the pass, and you're seeing them get to the quarterback while they're playing the pass because their offensive line isn't healthy. So, <laughs> for me, it's about it's about establishing the run early and often, and you hope. With now you have a handful of days off with, uh, you know, the, the playing Thursday night. Aaron Jones is hopefully he was a little bit on of a pitch count on that Thursday night game. He barely played, um, so hopefully you you can just feed Aaron Jones and feed Aaron Jones, and then hopefully play off of that with uh, with Jordan Love and, and get your offense rolling. Now the Raiders' offense is still kind of up in the air because Garoppolo still hasn't uh, cleared concussion protocol. The rookie came in. Uh, who's it? The whoever was uh, O'Connell came in, did eh, turn the ball over three times, uh, not too great. Is that going to be a bonus if Garoppolo can't play? I Even think though it is. he's lost three is. in a row? Or they've lost three yeah, in a row? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, they haven't won since that week one game. Yeah, I think it is because I think Jimmy G's, look, he's, he's a serviceable quarterback. And if you're a Packers fan, he's, Jimmy G has been on the other side of a lot of wins against us, right? And right. obviously in San Francisco, different situation. But he's a, he's an upgraded quarterback from from O'Connell. That's nothing, you know, to take away from him from the kid. You know, he's a, a rookie. But I, I think like he plays. He, he knows, you know, McDaniel's system. He's going to play into the strengths of their offense. What I'm worried about for, for the Raiders is they haven't been able to really move the ball at all. They have not been able to establish a run either. But right. what better week if you're a Raiders fan to try to establish the run? 
against one of the league's worst run defenses, you know, and get that run, you know, get Josh Jacobs running the ball, who was the rushing leader a year ago. Um, Devontae Adams also did not practice, so that's something to probably, to, you know, put your uh, put your attention to as the week goes on. I would anticipate he's going to play. He took a hard hit in that uh, Sunday afternoon games, but I anticipate uh, he will play, but he has not practiced. So take that for what it's worth. But if you can get a Devontae Adams, Jair Alexander, just give me a, a, a third shot camera view and just let me watch that all game long. Cause that would be, <laughs> uh, that would be something to watch. They had some battles throughout uh, Devontae's career here. He, he spoke about, you know, Jair Alexander and then obviously the love and respect he has for the Packers organization. So right. you hope Devontae can go just because he's, He's such a great player. You love to watch a guy like Devontae play, but if you're a Packer fan, you know, you probably wouldn't mind. You probably wouldn't yeah, mind. Yeah, you want him shut down a little bit. That's all right. Other than Rashad Gary, <laughs> the, um, the, the rushing has not been, uh, well, it's not been formidable for the Packers. Uh, do you see any changes coming this week? Is there, you know, what can they do to, because as you mentioned at the, at the beginning of this, both sides of the line, the lines are where trouble is happening. Do you see any changes coming this week on defense? No, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think there really is any answers right now. This is at the point where they just kind of are who they are, Ryan. I think that's just, you know, they're, they're set up the Packers defense. And you and I have talked about this, they are set up to play from ahead, right. As a defense, Mm -hmm. right. They want to get to the passer. That's, that's their strength on defense. They're not going to establish a run. Um, Devondre Campbell, their middle linebacker, he is out this week. He hasn't practiced at all. He has a high ankle sprain, so you're not going to see him probably until after the bye week, if you're lucky. So you're going to see, again, more of a lot of Quay Walker, which I absolutely love. I, I wish they would – here's one thing I wish they would do. I wish they would rush the passer a little bit more with Quay Walker. I mean, he's an athletic freak. He's super talented, super big, super fast. Um, but at some point – you know, and then Matt LaFleur kind of spoke about it after the game. I mean, he was that's about as angry as I've seen Matt LaFleur ever was after that Thursday night game. And he said, we got to stop doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So what is that? What's different? You know, what can you do differently? You kind of are who you are right now. I think if you can get, and like you mentioned earlier with the offense, if the Packers can actually get out and play a little bit of offense and, and give that defense a little bit of a cushion, they have not really given them a cushion. Right. Much at all outside of week one, you know, outside of week one, um, I did in Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, Atlanta kind of was a mess on both sides of the ball, but let the defense play from ahead, get a lead, let them pin their ears back. It's uh, Jimmy Garoppolo or O'Connell, whoever it's going to be is not, you know, not elusive in the pocket. If you can get to him, you're going to, you're going to probably have success. So look for the defense is just, I said it before you have the talent on this defense. Just put, put nine, eight, nine people in the box. Stop the run. Make yeah. the quarterback beat you. You know what I mean? Make the quarterback, whoever it is, make them beat you. We stop gashing us for seven, eight yards. It feels like every time there's a run, even if it's a stop, it feels like it's a six-yard game, five-yard game, uh, seven-yard game. It's like, yeah, no, that makes that that makes perfect sense because if you well, if they can't, if they have to throw it, it's either going to work or not. You mentioned, uh, and we all saw. Jordan Love on his back more than anybody wants to see him on last Thursday. Does that worry you at all? I mean, it's coming off, played well in the first three games. Uh, You know, when you take that kind of physical beating, do do you worry at all about Jordan Love after that? No, from a physical standpoint, I think Jordan's fine. Um, You know, he's, he's a, 
he's a guy, and, I, and I'll tell you, like watching him up and, and close, and you kind of hear about it on, on radio and TV, and you, and you read about it. He, nothing phases him, Brian. Nothing. I mean, he is the nice. same, and I'm behind the Packers bench. I mean, he is the same person after a 60-yard touchdown, after a pick-six interception, after a sack, after he runs in an, a touchdown in the end zone. He's the same person, and that's exactly what you want. You know, if you're a, a fan of the Packers, is like a poised, you know, under-control type quarterback, and that's who he is. I think he's going to take some hits. He's, he's going to be a little bit different of a quarterback than Aaron Rodgers, and you saw it Thursday night. Yeah. He had that touchdown run up the middle. You know, he's, he adds a different dynamic to the Packers' offense. I don't have any concerns about him from a health standpoint um, right now. You just hope that that left side of the offensive line, you know, hopefully you get, you know, a better game out of Rasheed Walker. You hope Elton Jenkins makes his return to the lineup uh, on uh, on Monday. But I think, again, you will limit those quarterback hits when you're able to establish the running game. You know, they're not going to be able to pin their ears back. And Green Bay was in a lot of passing downs yeah. on Thursday night, right? When you get behind 10, 14, 21 points, 26 Yeah, the points, defense you know, knows what you're going to do. Yeah. So I think that uh, played into it, you know, and give credit to Detroit. The Detroit defenses, they're good, and they've built yeah. it the right way. They've built it through the draft, and they've done it the way Green Bay wants to do it. Um, so you got also got to give credit to them. They just they played a really good game. Well, we we have to, but do we want to? Uh, this is a, this is kind of a silly question, but it's for <laughs> for everybody who's never going to get to be behind the bench like you were last week working the sidelines. Um, what's the biggest the biggest thing that might surprise? Those of us who watch on TV or sit way up in the uh, in the nosebleed seats when you're when you're right there in the action, what would what would surprise us the most? Oh, put me on the spot. That's a that's a really good question. Um, for me, when I first got behind the bench when I, uh, last year when I started doing this, it was the size. Uh, that might not surprise people. Yes. the size of these of these dudes are are just it's it's really hard to describe. I mean, they're just insanely huge. I mean, even their smaller guys are like, holy cow. Um, but I think yeah. the, the, uh, the thing I think that would surprise people is that when they're playing a football game, and I don't think I'm giving away any secrets here. When they're playing a game, you know, they're coming off the field, they have normal conversations about life, you know, or about oh, really? you know, what's going on. And yeah, I mean, they try to keep things kind of just, you know, level headed, you know, try to keep things cool and, 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 you know, they'll obviously talk if something's happening, you know, if something just happened, right, if they missed a block or, you know, their coaches are right. over there talking to them and stuff like that. But other than that, yeah, they're, they're talking, you know, about, you know, what's going on. And, it, it, you know, it's, 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 you know, not all game long, but, you know, they'll have conversations. And, um, you know, it's fun. I mean, you know, it, it's a human element, too, right? Because we look at them at yeah. TV, we think they're robots and we think they're just football 24-7, but they're human beings. You know what I mean? They're humans and they – uh you know, they have conversations like you and I have, and um, sometimes it's about football, That's sometimes funny. it's about some crazy person that they see in the stands. So. All right, what's your uh, what's your pick for Monday? What's your prediction? Oh, the Packers are back back at it. Uh, they're back in the win column. I think it's a week where you're going to see, we talked about the offense playing off of each other with the run and the pass and the play action. I think you're going to see it against a, a Raiders team that, is sort of lost right now. Uh, they really don't know what their identity is. I think Green Bay knows what they want their identity to be. Identity to be. I think they're just you know working through some injuries. So I think it's the week you see the offense get back on track. I got the Packers at 27 and the Raiders at 17. It'll be a fun Monday night game 
if you're out there in Las Vegas wearing the green and gold. Fantastic. Brandon, always great to talk to you. We'll talk to you next week after Vegas. Brandon Snide joins us on Thursday nights for Tundra Talk. The news after this on WTMJ. Well, you know, when you're a dad, some, sometimes you get to a point and you realize your kid, and, and this is a good thing, that your kids don't really need you all the time. They need you for certain things. And my daughter, uh, you know, we, we have a good relationship, I'll say that. But there's certain, you know, she talks to my wife about a lot of the more personal stuff. But when she needs certain things done, like when she moves and she needs all her pictures hung on her walls, she calls me. If she needs help with something kind of mechanical, she calls me. Um, today, I get a call, and my question for you is, before I tell you this story, what skills do you think every young person should learn just to get through life, to make things make things easier? And it doesn't matter if you have a son or a daughter, um, what skills do you think they need, or what skills did somebody teach you that you're like, man, I really... I'm really glad I know how to do this. And you might not ever think of it until you actually need to do it. So I'm getting ready for the show tonight. I'm prepping, and I, and I get a call. And now my daughter is the generation, like your generation, Matt, that you don't like to call people, right? You're a, you're a text guy for the most part. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's how, how things are. Most people are getting like that. Most people don't call. So when I get a phone call from my daughter... Uh, I know something something's up because normally if she needs uh, if she has a question for me she'll just text me and usually also she doesn't leave a, a message which I know is a I know is a common thing for not only young people but a lot of people you, you don't leave voicemail messages which always bothers me because if you called me and I didn't answer for whatever reason just leave me I don't need it don't give me a ten minute voicemail that's insane. But, uh, hey, just calling to ask you about this, let me know. Something short, so I know that everything's okay. You're not, you know, you haven't been abducted. And uh, if I did, since I didn't answer the phone, you know, you're doomed. So today I get this, I get the, the phone rings, and it's my daughter, and I'm like, oh, what's going on? And she was like, well, uh, I got in the car, I'm going to run some errands. How far can I drive because my low pressure warning on my tire came up now let me preface this by saying uh monday she came over to the house because she had borrowed she went to the her her uh i guess i can say boyfriend yeah they've been dating for a long time her boyfriend is a penn state alum and penn state was playing northwestern so his friends had come into chicago and they all went to the game so she had borrowed like some tables uh, tailgate kind of stuff and she was bringing it back on monday and being a dad, I looked at her car and I went, uh, your tires, you know, you better get those tires checked because one looks kind of low and um, the front ones look like we need to, you know, either rotate them or you need to, you know, you're going to have to get two new tires because you haven't gotten tires since you got the car. And um, she blew me off, you know, because that's, uh, that's what kids do. They, uh, they, Yeah, yeah. So today she calls her tire is low. How far can I drive on it? I said, well, and she, then she plots out what she was going to do before she would stop to get air. And I'm like, uh, how about this? You're probably going to drive right past a gas station. 
I would stop right now and get some air. And then she panicked because she's never put air in a tire before. She's put air in a bike tire, and she's filled up like a soccer ball and stuff, but never in a car tire. And we all know what a, uh, what a roll of the dice it is when you pull into a gas station hoping to find an air machine. Sometimes you get the really nice ones with the you program in your PSI and ding, 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 it stops, it's great. Um, some of them now take debit and credit cards, which is terrific because who rolls around with a roll of quarters in their car anymore? Uh, I do just for that reason. I have not a roll, but I always have at least $2 a quarters in the uh, console just in case I need to get air. Uh, and I was like, well, do that. I'm like, did. Well, I don't know. I don't know what to do. And I'm like, didn't I buy you a uh, little tire gauge? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, it would be in the glove compartment because I know in her old car she had one. Anyway, long story short, she pulls in. Thankfully, um, the guy, the the clerk at the gas station was like, she wa- she needed to get some quarters, uh, but she didn't have cash, which is what we're going to talk about next. But um, he gave her the quarters. And it was one of those, it was a bare-bones air hose. There was no gauge. You know, some of them you put in and the gauge comes out, the little gold gauge tells you how much. This was just an old-school one. And um, she was like, well, is it like putting it in a bike tire? Do I just press it on there? I'm like, yeah. So that got me thinking about things that we should have, you know. I I taught her a bunch of stuff when she got when she started driving and just with a house and she's learned a bunch of stuff from my wife and different things but i was like well that's that's a skill that now she knows how to do it and i'll show her some other stuff uh along with that next time but it's a, it's an important skill to have uh from the 262 learn how to use tools and what they do uh then when fixing something you can learn the rest hands on. Yep. Well, when she was going away to college and moving into what, not, not when she was a freshman, but, uh, oh, no, it was when she was a freshman. We got her small toolbox, you know, a couple of screwdrivers, a hammer, that kind of stuff. And she was like, why am I going to need that? Fast forward like a month in, oh, I'm so glad I brought these tools. It was able to help me with, uh, you know, my dresser and my bed. And I'm like, uh-huh. uh, from the 414, change a tire. That is, that is a really important skill that a lot of people don't do, and I don't think, she, I don't know if she'll, she'd ever do it because she's got AAA. I guess, you know, checking the oil, I know she would, you know, that's, the tire treads I agree with. The 404 says check the tire treads. I showed her that. I know how to do the, uh, I know how to use a, you know, check the dipstick and all that, but I had an older car. I don't think she's going to do that. Um, learn to drive a stick shift. I don't know why. Matt, do you know how to drive a stick shift? I can. I need a refresher. All right. My first my first new car was a uh was a st- uh, standard manual. So I know I, I know how to drive a stick. But now who who's you know, I doubt my daughter's ever buying a high performance sports car that's gonna come with a stick shift. Not unless you're in Europe so, now. No, she's not gonna be doing that. But, um, and I, I'm talking about, all right, uh, quick trip air is free. I know sometimes you get a place that has free air, and that is like the best thing ever. Um, but I'm talking about like ironing something. And I know a lot of people don't iron, but to me, that's a skill that you should have. The biggest skill, everybody should know how to cook something. You should even, I don't care if it's if you know one meal, 
Like I can cook, I can cook this. Okay, great. You know how to cook. If you know, my mom always told us, if you know how to read, you know how to cook. So I think, I think being able to cook something is an important skill that everybody should have. Um, shutting the main water valve off in a house. That is an excellent one. Where is the water main? How do you turn it off? Where's your, uh, you know, th things like how to trip a breaker or just little things that come up all the time. Now, because even if you rent, if you rent, you're not going to have to turn off the, the water to the apartment, but you may have to know, you got to know where your shutoff valve is for your toilet and you need to know where your breaker box is. 414 texts in, read a map. If you've listened to this show for any amount of time, you know <laughs> I am a huge proponent of maps. I love maps because, what was it last week we talked about it the was. guy who drove off the bridge? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he trusted, he trusted technology. And technology is a bitter mistress. She's, oh, no, she'll, she'll turn you down. She'll screw you up. I firmly believe that you should be able to read a map. And I, that one I did teach my daughter. She, oh boy, she pushed back against that one. But I was like, no, I want you to know how to read a map. So we were on a road trip and I knew where I was going, but I was like, get the map here. Look, this is how it works. This is, oh, I don't need to know. I have a navigation system. I'm like, mm hmm. Okay. So it drives you off a mountain. I get it. That's fine. Uh, that's all right. So yes, read a map is a good one. Uh, like I said, cooking. I think, I think in a, in a pinch, Everybody should know how to thread a needle and, like, put a couple stitches in something. I know I sound dated when I'm doing this. Um, you know, I think you should know how to, how to compose a letter and, and send, a, send a handwritten note. It's not as easy as it, uh, not as easy as it sounds. Another uh, 414, change the furnace filter. Yep, there's a lot. How about, how about empty the lint trap in the dryer? I had a buddy, and this this guy is a successful grown man, owns his own house, and a few years ago he was like, "Man, I don't know what's going on. I'm getting all kinds of smells. I gotta get have the dry the service guy come out. I'm getting all kinds of crazy smells from my dryer." He had never changed the lint trap. Do you know what that is, Matt? Change it every time. All right, there you go. It's not that Good hard. You, you take it out, you dump it off, you put it back in. It's not hard at all. And sometimes it's fun because you go, well, you, you peel it off in a big sheet or it rolls up like a jelly roll. And you go, man, look at all this uh, fuzz or lint. Or when I, uh, when I dry some of the blankets that the dogs lay on and all the dog hair is caught in there, it's like, oh, my God, this is insane. So, yeah, cleaning the lint trap, changing the furnace filter, uh, you know. Just just a lot of things. So that's that's what I want to hear from you, 855-616-1620. Skills everyone should know. And then let's talk about, and I think this is generational too, carrying cash. We'll get to that and more WTMJ Nights. Now more of WTMJ Nights. We were talking about... Skills everybody should know. This is and uh, some good texts. I like that. This one from a 414 number, save money. Now, they, I've thought for a long time that, uh, you know, high schools teach all kinds of things. But I think in high school, especially when you're, you get into senior year, they should teach a class about budgeting, about credit card use, saving money, things like that. Because 
And this was not a thing when I was in college. It's it's a thing now. The minute you get to college, you get bombarded with all these credit card applications. Hey, you're in school. Or not. And some people get them and they're responsible. Some people don't get them. But some people get them and they get in trouble. And maybe maybe they never learned it at home. They came for, you know, what for whatever reason, money was not a thing that was talked about. But if if there was a class senior year before you went off to college. I think that would be a good way to do it. Cindy says to get my daughter a portable hand steamer works better than an iron and uh, and works way better. She has a steamer. Uh, I'm an iron man. She's a steamer. Uh, I'm going, Cindy, I'm going to have to beg to differ. I think a good ironing beats a portable steamer anytime. Yeah, I'm going to stick by that. That's a hot take, man. No pun intended. Uh, writing a check or signing your name. Do people write checks anymore? I don't know. I don't know how she pays her rent. I mean, I know I know she pays her rent because she has a job and makes money. But I don't know if she, like, Venmo's it. I don't know if she has to write a check. I don't know how she does it with the uh, with the uh, leasing company that she gets her. Do you, do, you, do you even have a checkbook, Matt? No. I We have one. I don't remember the last time I wrote a check. Even my mom, who's 87, uh, writes very few checks anymore. Most of her payment stuff is online. Everyone, She has her checkbook uh, just in case. But, yeah, because now, like, what do you, you either put it on a debit card or credit card or you Venmo or PayPal, right? Yeah, it's either Venmo I- the only time that I would carry a significant amount of cash around is if I'm traveling. Oh, you don't carry cash? You don't? I'm. I was just talking about writing a check, but you don't carry Not. cash either. Not a ton. But you have do, you, like how much cash do you have in your pocket right now? And and we'll get somebody to escort you to your car. <laughs> That's what I was about to say. <laughs> what do you got? Three grand in there. Uh, about one, and a, I I have uh, one and a half million dollars. I'm about to pay Corbin Burns arbitration fee. Uh, right, no, nice. all, all kidding aside, um, average. It depends on where I'm going because if I'm going to some place where I know I'm going to need it, I'm going to have more. Other than that, really don't. Not a whole lot. Well, I like I always have. I'm I'm a guy who always carries cash. Now, do I always use cash? No, hardly ever. I usually use my debit card or whatever, but I always have cash on me just in case. And that came into play with my daughter, and I've preached this to her and to my wife forever. Always have at least 20 bucks. Just something. Just something cash-wise. Because today, when my daughter was pulling into the gas station, she was like, I don't have any any quarters. I go, well, just go in and get change. She said, I don't have any money. I have my card. So she went into the clerk at the gas station, and she was like, hey, can you just charge a dollar? And give me four quarters. He's like, no, I can't give you cash back. I can't, you know. She's like, well, how about if I buy a candy bar and you just charge me a dollar more? He's like, no, I can't do that either. Here, just take these quarters and you owe me. And and I was like, please, when you go, because she was running some errands, and the last errand she was going to the grocery store. I said, when you go to the grocery store, when you're checking out, just get $20 more and put it in your wallet. And leave it in your wallet Maybe it stays there forever. She goes, well, what good would $20 have done me? I said, well, you could have walked up to the counter. Had him and the said, bill. Yeah, break this, would you? <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. You have two degrees and you just asked me what good a $20 bill would have done you? 
So, uh, yeah, I'm a big proponent of always having some money. Uh, and I don't know what I don't know when that's not. And my wife doesn't do it either. Now I might have like there. I could go for a couple of weeks if I have like forty bucks in my pocket. That forty bucks will stay in my pocket for a few weeks, and then I'll go. Oh, I should probably uh, you know something will come up where I need some cash. You know, Powerball tickets. You can't. Uh, I've tried. Um, I've tried to. You know, see if I can buy Powerball tickets with my debit card. Most places, well, you got to have cash. So I always got to have a little cash just to feed my $10 Powerball habit. But um, that it's, it, it's absurd to me to not have, even when, like, even on vacation. Like, Matt, you said you carry more cash on vacation. I do, too. And then I always thought, like, why do I have this cash? Because I'm not using it. But there's, there's a certain security in having cash. And not like not like in a weird conspiratorial apocalyptic sense where what if uh, the grid goes down and we can't get access to our money? That it's not that. It's what if I walk into a place and they go cash only? All right, boom. Um, you know, I got a little cash on me. I've been in. Where did we go? Where did we go the other day? And it was cash only somewhere. We walked in. Oh, we went to an Oktoberfest on Saturday. And uh, thank- thankfully, the indoor bar took a credit card. The outdoor bar was cash only. All right, on the other side of the news, it's October. That means our sights turn to Halloween and Halloween candy and all kinds of things. So we'll do that on the other side of the news, which comes your way after this on WTMJ. The day is over, but the night has just begun. This is WTMJ Nights, live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. Here's your host, Brian Noonan. Hour three of the big broadcast. Glad you're here. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. If you want to get involved in the program, we would love to have you. Uh, Matt, I hear we uh, we have beef with the newsroom. Is that correct? There's some uh, some bad blood all of a sudden. I don't know. I mean, we'll it's wait all and one-sided. See. Because let me be let, let let's go on record. I have nothing but the greatest respect for our news department and uh, all the fine news anchors that uh, grace the airwaves here at WTMJ. <laughs> but uh, I've heard that uh, that maybe Jessica's got a little beef with us because I ran a little long talking about cash, uh, which I know to do. Money is important. Time is money, though, Matt. That's what the, that could be the retort. And me taking time uh, made Jessica have to end her newscast on a story about public nudity, which I don't, which I guess was not her. That wasn't what she wanted to end it on. But I found that story fascinating. It, and it I was. love that. I know. I love that nudity is not considered illegal as as long as it's not being uh, lurid. You know, you just want to walk around naked. That's fine. I took see. So I took a lot from that story. But she didn't like ending on that one? I don't know. We and don't, I'm teasing, we, Jessica. We're teasing, just so everybody's clear. I don't think maybe we'll have to bring her in uh, in a few minutes to... Yeah, if she wants to clear the air. To clear air. Know, if she, wants, she can call me on the carpet. I'll, I'll take the heat. I was a little late. That's, you know, I've been, I've been late before. There's a good chance I'll be late again. Uh, it's kind of, my, kind of my stock in trade. Uh, you know, you were yelling at me to take, take the break. I did. Uh, so I'm sorry. I, I apologize if the 
I got to ask though, if the if the nudity story was a problem, why was it even in there? I think that's a fair question. I don't know. It's, it's fun. Who doesn't like a good story about public nudity? <laughs> well, if Jessica wants to come in and you know uh, call me out, that's fine. If not. Listen, we respect Jessica Gatso and everybody else, and I, I mean that sincerely. So I don't want I don't want a West Coast East Coast thing, you know. I don't want a Biggie Tupac going on here at WTMJ. I'm putting the beef to bed, Matt. You you got to be. You, oh, I don't think she needs to defend herself. She didn't. But is she here? Hi, Jessica. No, this this was a lighthearted. This, this is all fine. Yes. <laughs> This is all, yeah, there's, there's I, no real beef. Because, you know, if I, if running late and you had to talk about nudity, I apologize if I made you late. What was, what was going to be, if I had been on time, what would have been the story after the nudity story? I think it would have been about um, a, a consolidation thing with Freighter, something like that. So I like it with the nudity. A, a different, an entirely different topic, but. Yeah. That's you know I listen. It's it's eight o'clock. The kids are you know we're in safe harbor. I like ending it with nudity. I not that the consolidation with Freighter is not a fascinating story, but uh, you know I apologize. Did it uh, you you wanted to end with that Freighter story? Was that one of your own? Uh not necessarily. It, and it has run before tonight, but oh, just, okay. it, it, were you, you weren't going to like submit that for some sort of award, a Marconi award or something. I'd hate to ruin your chances. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen. Uh, I apologize. I will endeavor to be on time so that uh, you never are left hanging with a public nudity story to close out your uh, your newscast again. Thank you. Much much appreciated. <laughs> You're welcome. I listen. Nothing but nothing but uh, kumbaya around here. Where everybody's happy. Matt, make sure uh, make sure you frisk Jessica next time she comes into the studio. I don't want any. Uh, I don't want any caps getting busted. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know how it works with you young people. Everything uh, everything goes to 11. Suddenly it, jump, it jumps off. It's craziness. So we don't want, we don't want any of that. Because then you end, up, you end up getting backlash, which is what happened in uh, Byron, Illinois. How'd you like that segue? That was insane. That was, man, oh, man, that was seamless. Um, I'm getting really tired of towns uh, changing Halloween, trying to make, oh, well, we don't want to, you know, Halloween's in the middle of the week. Who wants to trick-or-treat in the middle of the week? You know who wants to trick-or-treat in the middle of the week? Every kid in America. Kids want to trick-or-treat on Halloween. Now, I understand some areas are a little, you know, people are a little uh, suspect about sending their kids out. You know, uh, so you do, you have some places that do those trunk or treat things. Uh, I know that my school is doing one, but they're doing it. I think they're doing it like next week or so. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. Next week is the 14th. And they're like, well, uh, if you're coming to do trunk or treat, be careful because there's going to be a partial solar eclipse. So not only are you screwing up Halloween by putting it over two and a half weeks before it's Halloween, you're risking the kids going blind while they're digging through a trunk to get candy, uh, moving the tire iron and the dead body and everything else. I need else. to find it's my in... Twix. It's important. Not on the 14th of October. Exactly. That's why I think it's a disgrace. But that's why you do it. 
Here's what well, I, I, I don't care what day of the week it is. You go trick or treating on the thirty first. Yes, that's it does my point. Not matter. Don't move it from one day to another. This nope. is nope. No, I agree. Listen, DFA. So do, DFA. Like, so do all the people in Byron, Illinois. Hundreds of people got in an uproar because Byron, the Byron City Council, has voted had voted to move Halloween back. Well, now they're moving it back to October 31st. They were going to do it Sunday, October 29th, from 4 to 7 p.m. That's when they were going to have trick-or-treating. I don't want people trick-or-treating during a Sunday afternoon. There's That's football. That's when I'm on. having my... Huh? Football. Right. Football, the Sunday scaries. Uh, maybe I'm having a couple old fashions. I'm not answering the door. Forget about it. No. So they decide they're going to do this. Uh, well, the people, the, the people in... Byron were having none of it. They went crazy. Um, there were they were all on. They were at city council meetings. They were on uh, social media. Somebody said, "Wait, wait! How can you just move a whole holiday? And how is Sunday better than Tuesday?" Uh, another resident wrote, "In the almost ten years we've lived in Byron, we have never moved Halloween to a different day. Why now? Our neighborhood has always had the most trick or treaters, and now this year." It is not on Halloween, and we will probably not be able to do it because of prior commitments. Uh, does the city of Byron even have the legal authority to say when trick-or-treating is allowed? Well, yeah, I think they do. But anyway, they announced today on their Facebook page the city has backed down. And they said, quote, after further consideration of the factors involved in having trick-or-treat hours on a day other than Halloween, the Byron City Council has voted to set trick-or-treat day and hours to October 31st from 5 until 8 p.m. And the people cheered. They were very, very happy. Um, they're still... Yes, there they are. People are cheering. Very happy. Matt's very happy. I'm very happy. I... I think we're actually on the air on uh, on Halloween, which will be um, it's a little a little sad. I'm going to be honest. I do love passing out candy on Halloween. I I always uh, I put something like last year I had a uh, last year I had a minion costume, and so I sat outside with my minion costume or in my minion costume. I <laughs> I didn't just have the costume laying on the ground next to me, and. I handed out candy to the kids. I love seeing the costumes. I love the little ones who are a little bit nervous to come up. I, you know, I even like the teenagers who come toward the end, um, and they've got their pillowcases, or some just come put their hand out. I don't care. Come on up. I'll give you a little candy bar. Um, but it's got to be on Halloween. Now, uh, Aaron in Oconomowoc, uh says they do Saturday business trick or treating during the day parade around four trick or treat six to eight. My eight year old loves it. And hasn't noticed the different calendar numbers so far. We think it's great. No. Uh, from the 920, kids don't care. They just want candy. Uh, grown-ups are the only ones that, wow, some profanity. Uh, no, I th it's no. Halloween. It's Halloween. Brian, do you know what it's called when you go up to somebody's house and ask for candy on a day that's not October 31st? It's panhandling. <laughs> exactly. It's begging. I was going to say, get off my say porch. theft or trespassing. Yeah, no solicitors invited. Get off my porch. Why are you dressed like a Power Ranger, you freak? It's the 27th of October. No, stop it. No, I'm not. A, and I'm not a cranky. I, I don't think I'm a grumpy old grumpy grown up. I think I'm a guy who loves Halloween, but I love Halloween on the 31st. I don't care 
if it's the middle of the week. That means, you know what that means? It means the kids are tired after school. So the parents come home after work. They take their kids out. It's a shorter window. Everybody has fun, and everybody's done by a reasonable hour because everybody's got to go to work or school the next day. Well, also, the other thing, if you move Halloween to a Saturday, let's say, I don't know if this is still how they do it, but we used to have a big celebration in elementary school where the mm-hmm. whole day would be turned into Halloween festivities. Oh, yeah. And so take this year. Halloween's on a Tuesday. You get the two Halloweens? That, it makes no sense. Just get it all done in one day. Make it one big festivity. School lets out around 3 o'clock. The kids are trick-or-treating by 3.30, 4-ish. Every, like you said, everybody's done by 7, and then you move on with your day. Listen, I'm moving Thanksgiving to Friday just because I on Saturday I want to be able to just uh, you know sleep sleep <laughs> it off and I and I don't like Black Friday so we're gonna have Thanksgiving on Friday now it's just easier easier for everybody going to the weekend most people have the weekend off a lot of people don't have that Friday off so we're gonna do that we're just gonna move it to make it easier what's the what's the justification that nobody gives a justification for moving it they just they just decide to move it so. We can push back and say no. So, people of Byron, Illinois, I salute you. Good for you. Oh, man. Good for you, Byron, Illinois. Keep it on Halloween. (laughs) And stay off my lawn. All right, we'll do this. Then there's more. It's WTMJ. Yeah, but what day do you want that candy, Matt? Well, every day. But... October 31st. All right. Being called a grumpy a grumpy grown-up on uh, the text line. Uh, what? I don't think so. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. Uh, how much do you spend on Halloween every year? Do you have recurring calls? Other than candy, um, how much do you spend? And the reason I ask is a new report from the uh, National Retail Federation says Americans are expected to spend a record amount on this year's Halloween. Expected to spend, in America, $12.2 billion. That's almost $2 billion more than last year's total on Halloween. Now, I guess I understand it. I, I drive by a lot of houses that have a lot of uh, really elaborate Halloween decorations. I tend to... I reuse a lot of my Halloween decorations, so some of my stuff is kind of old. But um, I did look, and I can see where it adds up because, like that twelve foot skeleton that you see everywhere, that's like four hundred bucks. I saw a couple things this year, uh, but thankfully my budget was not going to allow them, or my house would have been terrifying. But uh, according to the NRF. Most Ameri- more Americans than ever will be reaching into their wallets and spending a record amount of money to celebrate Halloween. Uh, consumers will be shopping early for festive decor and other related items, and retailers are prepared with the inventory to help customers and their families take part in this popular and fun tradition. I like decorating for Halloween, but um, again, it's like I have tombstones that I made. And a couple things, and some of my decorations I use until I really can't use them anymore. You know, until they they, they just, because I'm cheap, basically, or frugal, however you want to look at it. Either way, I think stuff can be reused. I finally had to retire. Uh, Last year was the final year I had an inflatable Frankenstein that I've had since, 
I think last year was its 22nd year. And uh, a little bit faded. And uh, the seams, you know, after 20 years weren't holding air as much. So it always looked like Frankenstein was bent over, getting ready to hurl, maybe from eating too many Twix bars or whatever. So last year was the uh, last year, final year for Frankenstein. But we did get a uh, did get a ghoul. So I'll spend a little money, but I don't know. There's something about dropping four or five hundred dollars on a a sculpture or something to put in your yard. That uh, I don't know. I can't do it. But Americans are going to be doing it. We're going to be spending that money now. Obviously, people let, and, and Halloween first. All right, let me ask you this, Matt. Where do you fall on this? Halloween decorations, scary or friendly? In terms of what I think or what I want, what would you if you're if you're decorating your house? Scary. Do you want it? Do you use scary decorations or do you want friendly? Hi, I'm a little ghosty ghost. No, scary. Scary. All right. Go with the premise of the holiday. See, you and I are agreeing on a lot of holiday stuff. I'm not man. saying like I'm not this. saying like have a ghost on a zip line that jump scares an eight year old. Hold on, not, why not? Not to paint any ideas. But, I like that idea. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, right. but let's see no, from no, my bedroom no. window down to the tree. Oh, oh yeah. But <laughs> a no cartoon ghost. ghost. Oh man. I do a hell rider and just, <laughs> just go to motorcycle with a flaming head. That would be great. <laughs> I do I I always and my wife is the same. She doesn't. She sees a cutesy Halloween decoration and she gets livid. She's like, "No, now we don't have." You know, ours would be. I would consider ours spooky. Okay. Um, but still, sometimes little kids are a little freaked out. But that's okay. And then they see a six foot five minion sitting next <laughs> to the front door. <laughs> Going, <laughs> Come on, kids, you want some candy? It's like, oh no. But yes, so, I mean, you spend a little on Halloween, but Christmas has got to be the holiday that we spend the most money on, right? Between uh, presents and decorations and uh, food and everything else, Christmas has got to be Christmas has got to be by far the holiday we spend the most money on. You know, other than the candy, I think this year we're done. Uh, we don't have any more. Uh, Expenses for this Halloween, unless I get a little crazy in the last couple of weeks and, you know, surprise my wife by coming home with, with something and having her threaten to divorce me and then take the dog. But, uh, you know, you, you never know what will happen. Speaking of candy, let's take a quick break and then we will reveal before the news. Uh, oh, there is no news. But then we will reveal Wisconsin's favorite Halloween candy. If you would like to guess and see if you are right. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talk and text line. We've got that, beige flags, a box of poop, and so much more before the end of the show. It's WTMJ Nights. Now, more of WTMJ Nights. He did the monster man. All right, I know it's a little early, but we had a few uh, Halloween stories and spending. And this, I always love these. What's the favorite uh, candy? And according to according to this study... The top candy for Halloween in Wisconsin. Matt, would you like to guess? Snickers? No. Number three is a Starburst. Ooh, Fruity Root. Do not like Starburst. My wife loves them. Number two, Hot Tamales. And these is, uh, this is based on sales data collected and surveys conducted 
by an online bulk candy store. <laughs> the number one favorite Halloween candy. No, 414, it's not Tootsie Rolls. Butterfinger. Butterfinger. It was number one in 2018. In 2018, it was the we were the only state that had Butterfinger as their favorite Hall Halloween candy. Now it's Wisconsin, Virginia, Massachusetts, and Arkansas. All agree that Butterfinger is the best. Now, somebody, Taylor, in River Hills is saying, what about Reese's Peanut Butter Cups? Well, that's a different story, Taylor, because in the United States as a whole, yes, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, number one, M&M's. Hot tamales, Skittles, Sour Patch Kids. This has to be, they had to just talk to children. If they're like at Sour Patch Kids and Skittles and Hot Tamales. Doesn't anybody, doesn't anybody, uh, doesn't anybody like chocolate anymore? Hey, I listen, 262, I'm just telling you what this survey said. I don't know if you can speak for all of Wisconsin saying that Butterfinger is not the number one candy bar. Um... Oh, wait, the Butterfinger candy bar is the number one candy bar. You are right. I'm sorry. I couldn't, I can't read anymore. Uh, 262. That's it. Snickers was on the list. Uh, Hershey mini bars and something that I was, uh, snacking on earlier. Candy corn. Where do you fall on candy corn, Matt? That is a, that is a, one of the most, uh, divisive confections on the face of the planet is candy corn. Not a fan. Wow. Our first Halloween disagreement. I enjoy candy corn. Not 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 like in bulk, but I do enjoy candy corn. People either like candy corn or they despise candy corn. I live with a woman who despises candy corn. I raised a woman who despises candy corn. And yet, I proudly will eat candy corn in my home. Because I am the king of my candy corn castle. And you can't buy... You're not the boss of me. I'll eat some candy corn. Um, so I do. And I love... I've loved the Butterfinger since I was a child, except that uh, it does get caught in your molars. Butterfinger is a candy bar that you need to almost eat by yourself because if you're in uh, mixed company or in polite company, you're going to have to dig in your teeth to get that. Uh, I don't know what. I, don't, I have no idea what's on the inside of a Butterfinger, that uh, crunchy, orange, uh, peanut buttery kind of stuff, whatever it is. It's delicious. But, um, yeah, you can't eat that. So there you go. Butterfinger, number one. Uh, hopefully you'll stay. I do eat. When we get the big bags of candy for Halloween, uh, and I can't do it. Last year, this is how dumb I was last year. Last year, it was about this time, maybe the first, second week of October. And um, I said, oh, you know what? It looks like, because uh, I usually get them at, Costco or Sam's, these giant bags, and it's got the M&M, Snickers, Butterfingers, the whole thing. And um, I'll buy them because you can also, you can take them back if you don't open the bag. So if you have a slow Halloween year and you're stuck with two giant bags of candy, as long as you have your receipt, you can take it back, which is great. Uh, but last year, so I buy what I think we're going to need last year, and my wife says, well, why don't you buy one extra? Now, I would imagine what was happening to me happens to people who are addicted to other things. Because suddenly I had five giant bags of chocolate in the hall closet. And I knew they were there because I put them there. 
And I could almost hear them calling to me. Matt, it was freaky. I was trying not to eat all this, all the candy prior to Halloween. And I made it about a week. And then it wasn't even me who opened it. I came home and my wife, I saw some candy wrappers sitting next to her in the family room. I know. And I was like, what's going on with the candy? She said, well, I opened the bag. You know, I'm only going to have a couple. I was like, fine. But now, now all my discipline was gone. I folded like a cheap chair. Because now I knew not only were there five bags of candy in the closet, there were four sealed bags and one open bag. But what if that open bag started to spill out all over the closet? Well, I can't have that. So I better go, I better go make sure it's, you know, secured and pieces aren't gonna well there were a couple pieces right by the edge and that's where you know that's where they'd fall right out so uh, I, I had to take those out by the time we got to Halloween that bag was over half empty it was it was like I, I would imagine and you know if you were if you didn't want to drink and suddenly there was liquor all over your house and you just knew it was there it was terrifying, and I knew it was right behind the closet doormat, lurking, waiting, calling to me. Eat me. Eat me. So I did. I gave in. I gave in. So this year, when am I buying the candy? Hopefully on the 30th, because I don't, I don't want it to hang around. All right. Uh, I am always in awe of young people and their dating and their anxiety and uh, things that uh, things that now people find important that I just don't understand. We're going to get into one of those. And uh, Matt, you're a young man, so maybe you can help me out with this. Uh, maybe if you're dating, you've you've heard of this. Uh, we got to talk about beige flags. We'll do that after this at WTFJ Nights. Everything, everything is complicated every little thing uh i am glad I, i've said this many many times before and i'm going to say it again i am very glad that i am uh not dating anymore that is just uh, i i can't imagine what it's like i i've heard secondhand my daughter's travails now she's now she's with a nice uh, young man and uh, things seem to be going good knock on wood um but I don't understand how things work anymore. And I know that sounds, uh, that'll go back to the texter who's calling me a grumpy, grumpy grown up. I'm just a confused grown up, I think, at this point. Um, so in the world of online, and I, I told Matt what this is, what I said, beige, beige flags. Matt, you've never heard this term before, right? No. All right. Well, uh, it's very confusing. Clear. So we've all heard of red flags, right? That's oh man, this is this is bad. We got to stay away. This is behavior that is not going to go well. It doesn't bode well for a relationship. Stay away. Maybe you've heard of green flags. Oh, I really like this about this person. This is going to make me want to accelerate the relationship. Well, now um, there's beige flags, and of course, it started on TikTok uh, with hashtag beige flag. It is still going strong. 1.3 billion views and counting. Um, 
basically what a beige flag is, it's a highly individualized perceived personality quirk. So it's very subjective. And it doesn't mean it's bad, it just means it's different. But now, people are really using this to weigh in on this. I don't know who sold everybody this fairy tale, um, but people are different. And you might find somebody who checks a lot of your boxes, but uh, you got to be realistic. Because people have lived a life before they met you. So... They're not really, they're not really anything. They're not red or green. They're just beige. They're bland. According to one, uh, to one person, they say, when I think of beige flags, I think of things that are generally neutral to good, that most people would consider reasonable, unremarkable, maybe quirky, but not actively harmful. Um, somebody said, uh, having, this was, this was a beige flag to a woman. Now, Matt, this would, uh, this I think might rule you out for dating this woman. Uh, someone having opinions about the infield fly rule. Huh? Do you have opinions about the infield fly rule? Well, I have an opinion on it. I think it's a good rule. I don't yeah, know if this she, person disagrees. No, she she just doesn't care. But she thinks it's she thinks it's uh, quirky or odd or funny that somebody does have a strong opinion on that. But just a you know. Just a beige flag, nothing, nothing bad. Doesn't everybody um, have opinions on everything? Yes. See, that's the thing. That's what I don't get. Why are now we labeling people being individuals as? Oh, well, that's a beige flag. Uh, oh, this, this per. It's not a deal breaker. I just, uh, you know, I think it's kind of, kind of crazy. You, you know, you, you like to organize your books by color. That's weird. Uh, you like to. Um, you like to sit in a certain spot in a restaurant. You know, you like to sit with your back to the door or, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. She's a low talker. Low. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but low talker would annoy me. I couldn't. That would be that would be probably a red flag for me. Okay. You know. <laughs> Was that a beige flag? What, the low talking flag? I don't know. I, I don't know. Is it? No, well, it's no, because if it's if it's something that's big enough to make you question if it's a relationship, then it's a red flag, you know. Um, if you find something like if you if you always want to have pizza on Friday, that's your thing, you know. Somebody starts dating you, you go, well, pizza Friday's my pizza day, you know. You're welcome to come along, but Friday pizza day. Um, well, that's not that's nothing that is serious that would should end a relationship or make somebody pause it's just kind of uh and uh you know maybe um maybe you like to only sit in the f seats that face forward on the train well there's nothing wrong with that but that's where people go oh is it a beige flag or is it just somebody who has strong preferences who's living their life who is enjoying themselves so, uh, of course, the experts have weighed in. And uh, they said that, listen, beige flags and quirks are neither of great importance to you or nor irritating. Then just, you know, just figure that the person you're with is self-assured and knows what they want. But they say, oh, you should also have to communicate about this. <laughs> Stop. Uh, so these are the ones, these are, these are common beige flags that came from women.
I have a beige uh, flag. I think. What is your beige flag? Beige flags. Beige flags. <laughs> Honestly, beige flags might be a red flag. I see. I would agree with you on that part of it. Yes. To me, if somebody is going, ah, oh, then I was good. If you listen, if you start talking about any flags other than a red flag, and even that, just go. This guy was a you know. This person's an idiot. They. There were red flag. I guess is okay. Any other flag color? No. And if yes, if you're uh, if you're on social media and you're talking about beige flags, sorry, you got to go. That's not happening. So women complain about men uh, not planning initiative, and that can become a red flag. They say. So Matt, remember that in your relationships, always, always take initiative. Because you don't want to be a beige beige to red flag. There's a range now? Well, it could. Listen, beige can turn red easy. Beige could turn green. All the flags, all the people on, online trying to date, trying to figure it out. What's purple? Uh, I, I don't know if there's a purple flag. Well, what are we going to do? We got to get one. We got to come up with a purple flag. What's a purple flag going to mean? I don't know. It means you make me so mad my head's going to explode. <laughs> The veins are just <laughs> popping out. That's a purple flag. The purple flag is I'm blinded because you have increased my blood pressure to a point where I think I'm going to explode. I'm going to become a scanner. Uh, men, men's beige flag, uh, is their partner over-communicating, which might mean repeating information more than once, oversharing details of a friend's life event, or celebrating minor events throughout the day. It can be perceived as the potential for nagging in the future. All right, listen, here's the, here's the thing, uh, friends. If you're dating, good luck. Um, stay off social media. Stay away from the flags. And uh, lighten up, Francis, because you might find something that you really like, even though it's not, uh, you know, the flag is not the correct color. Matt, good luck. You're a young man. I uh, I don't I envy a lot of things about your youth. I do not envy this. It was so much easier with just buy a girl a beer and try to talk to her at a bar. That was it. Red flag is if uh, you know, kept hanging around after she told you to buzz off. That was the only red flag. All right, listen, we got to do this, and then uh, can we please turn a harsh eye toward one woman in Minnesota? And um, a, a hobby slash business that uh, seems really, really weird. We'll get to that and more as we head toward the finish line. It's WTMJ Nights. This is WTMJ Nights. 855-616-1620 is the old National Bank talking text line. Uh, this is a bizarre story on a couple different levels. It happened at the Minneapolis airport just the other day. Customs agents seized an unusual item from an airline passenger arriving in Minneapolis from a vacation in Kenya. It was a small box. Now, I'd ask you to guess, Matt, but I already told you what is in there. Giraffe feces. Yep. Small box containing giraffe feces. I've brought home some bad souvenirs for people before, but never. Uh, U.S. Customs and Border Protection highlighted the intercepted excrement today 
to draw awareness to the dangers of agricultural contamination and spread of disease among humans. Sure, you got a box of giraffe poop. That's not good for anybody. This woman was from Iowa. She declared the droppings. Now, to her credit, she didn't try to smuggle them through. So she declared them. Do you have anything? To, if you've ever been through customs, you know they ask you, do you have anything to declare? When we were coming back from Ireland, we were like, no, even though we, because we were dumb. It wasn't, we, we weren't trying to be slick smugglers because we're carrying our duty-free bags that have whiskey in them. You know, we weren't trying to hide anything. We just, I, I thought if you bought something at duty free, you didn't have to declare it. Well, oh my goodness, the customs agent in Dublin was not having any of that. Um, he goes, you have anything to declare? And my wife and I were like, no. And he goes, what about that? Oh, oh, well, yeah, we just bought these. Yeah, I know you have to declare them. Oh, all right, relax. Come on now. Work for the people. So anyway... She declared them when she was passing through customs on a return trip from an African safari. The agents, as you can imagine, were shocked. Quote, we were really a little shocked. <laughs> see, we don't normally get fecal material in. That's not something that we see on a daily basis, said the Chief of Agriculture for U.S. Customs and Border Protection in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Normally, we're inspecting a lot of fruits and vegetables and meats and plants that people are bringing back. So fecal material that people were intending to bring with them, uh, that was an unusual declaration. Matt, I'm going to ask you this. Why do you think a woman from Iowa who had just been on an exotic Kenyan safari, why would she bring back, and she had a reason, why would she bring back a box of giraffe feces? If it's anything that has, if it's anything except an agricultural or farming reason, we're going to have a long conversation. Well, get ready, sit back, make yourself comfortable. It was because she planned to use the giraffe droppings in a necklace. Huh? Because in Iowa, at home, she makes jewelry out of moose droppings. So when she saw the giraffe droppings while she was walking through Kenya, she thought, oh, this will be a unique addition to her craft work. So it's not agricultural. It was business or at least for arts and crafts, <laughs> to go with her moose poop jewelry. First of all, if you're buying a moose poop necklace, reevaluate your life choices. Just stop. That's no, no, no. Uh, the weirdest thing I ever, I, when my, uh, years ago when my father died, um, there was a company that took the roses off the casket and pressed them and made them into uh, rosary beads. And so for some reason, so my mom had a set of them made for my brothers and myself. So we got, but they were just the flowers. So that wasn't, you know, that's, that's not too odd. But uh, there's so many, there's so many jokes I could make if the FCC wasn't on, uh, on our back, Matt, about these, uh, these necklaces and bracelets and things. Would you wear a, would you wear a, uh, not a, not only a moose poop, uh, maybe a nice bracelet or uh, maybe that's what we get Jessica to, to put the bad blood down. Think that will settle the beef? If we get Jessica a moose poop necklace? <laughs> I don't know if that will settle the beef, but... Uh, it might escalate it. <laughs> what if it was giraffe poop? Very exotic. Well, I don't know if giraffes have beef. Cow I necklace? Well, I don't know. but if we, A cow manure necklace? That might settle the beef. <laughs> that could be. All right. We'll look into it. I'll, see, I, I'll make a call to this woman in Iowa. Listen, uh, it's only a matter other... of time before PETA 
uh, comes on to us. <laughs> I, listen, I I don't think Peter's mad if you make something if you make something out of the cow, then Peter gets mad. If you make something out of the cow's waste, I don't you know, I don't know how Pete, what Peter's stance is on that. But uh, yeah, so she was gonna make uh, she was gonna make necklaces. Because that's what she makes with the mouse, uh, the mouse poop, mouse poop necklaces. But those are for children because mouse poop <laughs> is very small. That's like in the junior section. Oh, you're buying this for your eight-year-old daughter for her birthday? Come over to the kids section. These are the mouse poop necklaces that I make. It takes me a lot of time because they're very tiny, and I have to I have to string them together very very carefully because they're brittle. You graduate um, to squirrels. I, I've never. I wouldn't know squirrel poop if uh, you showed it to me. Rabbits, you could rabbit. I've seen you could make a nice little bracelet out of that. One of Dogs? those Taylor Swift friendship bracelets. Trust me, I've seen dog uh, for over thirty years. I I I know what that. I've seen bear scat, and not 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 uh, some football players jazz singing. I've actually seen real bear scat. Um, but yeah, that's uh, so that's the weird that's the weirdness that happens uh, sometimes when you go on vacation. Just leave that stuff there because it's. Uh, it's not good for the environment. It's not good for anything. But since the good news for her, because she declared it, because she was honest, she's not getting fined. Nothing's going to happen to her. Uh, she's okay. Had she tried to sneak it past customs, then it would have been big, big trouble in Little China. She would have gotten fined three hundred to a thousand dollars. All right, let's uh, take a quick break, and then we'll come back. Say goodbye. It's WTMJ Nights. Now more of WTMJ Nights. Well, thank you for listening and being part of the program tonight. We will be back. We will be back tomorrow night at six with all sorts of fun and frivolity. Have a wonderful 